We've been uh, going through Luke and uh, going through what Jesus was doing as he began his ministry. We've just been uh, tracking through Luke as it comes up. And so, Lord, as we, uh, as we look at this passage today, we pray that uh, we would have a, a response like those of the disciples where we would, uh, be, we would come alive to the reality and the revelation that God is real. We'd come alive to the reality that he's more than just something we talk about, but he transforms lives. And, Father, we just continue to give you permission to transform our own lives. So... Will your Holy Spirit please speak this morning and may our hearts burn with excitement. So Jesus, he came into this world because religion was so, in, uh, so boring. I mean, the, the Jewish people were going to the synagogue every day. They had rules and regulations Four or five times a year they'd have to go to Jerusalem or they'd have to go to, to, to do something and they always said to fulfill the law. And it wasn't that exciting. They hadn't heard any prophetic words since, for 400 years until John the Baptist came announcing Jesus. And John the Baptist was some freaky eccentric dude like he was out of the 60s hippie movement. He lived in deserts and he ate some weird stuff and he just kept saying, repent, the kingdom of God is here and he roused up this whole sort of passion of God is still alive and God wants to speak and God is, uh, is real, but he's pretty scary. And uh, when he saw and he announced Jesus, I'm just giving you a very quick cartoon. Jesus is baptized by John and, and John says, this is the one. And that's the first time in 400 years they'd heard God saying, pay attention. Because I think God sort of got tired of telling them stuff through prophets because they just ignored everybody. And uh, when Jesus was filled with the Spirit in his baptism, John said, this is the one. And then Jesus behaved like John didn't expect. Because John said he had come and he'll separate the chaff from the wheat and he will come as fire. And he was expecting a guy to come and say, repent, Bill. I know your life and you're, you're, you're bad. You're getting it, Bill. And it was like, you know, I don't want to be close to that. But instead, you know, Jesus came and said, Hey, Bill, how are you doing? You know, um, I know you've got some stuff there, but I'm going to pay attention to the good in you. And he began to draw him. Don't be afraid, Bill. Bill's got his eyes closed, pretending I'm not there. <laughs> Just like God, you know, you can't do that. You've got to eyeball me. You've got to say, I'm right here. And it was like that. Like, you know, if God gets too close. It's getting awkward, so I'm going to close my eyes and he'll go away. And Jesus kept coming to people and saying, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen God, and he's a father, and he's a good father. And uh, it was exciting and disturbing. And I would just say to you and encourage you, if you want to know God as Father, if you want to know God as real and alive, it will be exciting and disturbing. It should be. Because he's some big dude. And we're pretty screwed up. And most of us don't know how to be open. So he comes and he starts trying to get us open. So what we're talking about this morning in a roundabout way. And so these disciples were following Jesus and they had seen a whole lot of miracles. Luke's gospel is 24 chapters. Ah, maybe I'll keep this for a, bit, a minute. 
They had seen a bunch of miracles. They had seen Jesus calling them. They had seen Jesus healing a centurion's servant, a slave. The centurion's slave, had, uh, you know, centurion had sent messages and Jesus said, I've never seen such faith and if you go home, your slave will be healed. And that was what happened. They'd seen Jesus healing somebody's dead daughter. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And everybody laughed at him and said, no, she's dead. And he said, no, she's just asleep. And they laughed and he sent them all out the room and then he just said, get up. Amazing. And he healed many people who came with all kinds of diseases and sicknesses because they had nowhere else to go. And he said, the kingdom of God is here. And he spoke about God, then he said, God loves you. And the way God's going to show you that he loves you is he's going to touch your life, even when you don't know what it is. Even when you don't have it all worked out in your head, God just wants me to tell you that he absolutely adores you. Now, where's it hurting? And like a parent with a kid who says, I've got an owie, he says, let me help you. Let me make it better. And when they made it better, he went, wow. And he said, that's just my father saying he's here for you. And in our churches, what we've done is we've made all the miracles of Jesus and all the things Jesus done into children's stories. And we say it's cute. And we actually haven't entered into the life of what it was meant to be, which is power in your life and my life, starting with love. And so Jesus had done all these miracles and, he had, and these disciples had tracked around him and they'd sort of seen him do stuff and it was pretty amazing. It was actually quite cool to be his disciple at that time because... Like they looked good. They knew the guy. They were having dinner with the guy who did all the miracles. It was very cool to follow Jesus right then because he was a celebrity. Wherever he went, people were going, wow. Wherever he went, people were going, did you see that? So they tracked with Jesus. Are you a follower of Jesus? Absolutely, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm one of his best friends, actually. Everybody wanted to be close to Jesus. And then one day, just out of the blue... You have this event. I remember, this is when I came back to, Luke is uh, 24 chapters long. And Jesus first calls his disciples on the shore of Galilee in chapter 5. And by chapter 9, um, how many of you have been followers of Jesus from lukewarm to passionate uh, in the last six months? Longer than six months. Just stand up, please. Don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass you. Just stand up. If you've been a follower of Jesus for over six months, stand up, please. You're very nervous. You don't actually trust me at all. You've been a follower of Jesus for over six months. Stand up, please. All right, look around. You may sit down now. John, why aren't you standing up? Are you not following Jesus? I look over this place and I know who's going to defy me. And they're just going to go, I'm not standing up because you told me to. I want you to know that that is actually something that uh, you might need to look at. Because God actually works through people. And sometimes, uh, never mind, I won't, go on, I won't go on that track. But there's, part of what I, there's truth to what I'm saying. And, and uh, everything God does is through flesh. The way we love each other, the way we respond, the way we behave, uh, it's all a testimony to how God works. There's no, there's no avoiding that. And so 
why I got you to stand up was I wanted you to, to, to realize that what we're talking about this morning, these guys had followed Jesus and knew far less than we did. And what we're going to read about this now was probably within six months of when they'd ever met him. And what he was doing, and what we're talking about today is when he said uh, this. When Jesus, this is verse nine, chapter 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Probably six-month-old Christians who hadn't got a clue how to explain what they were doing. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't died for people's sins. He hadn't risen from the dead. The Holy Spirit, the power of God hadn't been released. They were Jews with very, very little ability to do anything other than Jesus said, um, go. Now let's put it in another context. They're traipsing after Jesus and they're saying, wow, you're wonderful. It's wonderful to be your disciple and uh, we're seeing you do all these wonderful things. What are you going to do today, Jesus? And Jesus stops them. Have you ever been in that place? It's really cool. I really love being with you. I really like the way you do it. And suddenly he says, you speak. You do it. What? You do it. That's what that reading is about. You do it. Everyone who stood up, you do it. How does that res resonate? How do you think the disciples went? Jesus, but, 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 but. And he said, you know, Moses did that. But, 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 but. It's called a stutter. She, Moses was called by God to lead the people out of, Israel, out of Egypt. And the first thing he said was, but, 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 I can't speak. He felt incredibly inadequate, and he was incredibly inadequate. And God got so exasperated. He had a burning bush, and Moses was there barefoot, and he was going, bah, 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 bah. He said, Moses, your brother Aaron, I'll get him to walk with you. Now go and do it. And Moses, as he began to go, probably mostly out of fear, began to grow into the leader that God had seen him to be. Gideon was a guy in the Old Testament. He was hiding and he was chicken and, and he was called by God and he said, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm the smallest tribe. I'm the smallest man. I'm just a... And God said, Gideon, rise up, mighty warrior. And he said, I don't feel like a mighty warrior. He said, you are a mighty warrior. Stand up. And as Gideon began to follow, so he began to become what he never thought he could be. I promise you, every single person in this room, who you are now and who God wants you to be is totally, totally different. And you're, slavering, you're enslaved to the negativity of your perception of who you are. The thing that's crippling this church is that we are slaves to a negative image of who we are. And we want to sit in a pew for another 10 years and wait for somebody to change something and it will never happen. This is good news, by the way. I'm just passionate. 
I'm not angry. Don't misunderstand this. I'm passionate. The big difference. You will not feel worthy and able to accomplish what God wants you to do. And if you wait until you have your reference points worked out and how you are li- you're now ready for your perception of what God wants you to do, welcome to the rest of your life being like it is right now. You'll talk, you'll quote scripture, and there'll be nothing to back it up. You'll be an empty gong. And some of you are like that already. You know that. It doesn't have to be that way. The disciples, you see, are us. And Jesus says, you do it. And they go, how? He says, well, you can do it like I did it. Scary. You want to grow as a Christian, throw your Bible away. That's heresy for some of you. But throw it away and start living out what you already remember from it. And then go back and refer to it when you see things happen. Having fun yet? You enjoying this? I am. It's to me as well. So it's not like I'm sitting here talking to you. It's me, me as well. But it works. So, you see, some of us want this respectable relationship with God. We'll just... You know, keep, keep me solvent and, and give me a job and uh, look after my relationships and I'll call you when I need you. That's religion. It's not God. That's God made in my own image. It's useless. It doesn't change anything. When Jesus came, he said, I am God and I call you to follow me. I'm actually the one who sets the agenda, by the way. That's a novel thought sometimes. Because many of us treat God like a dumb waiter. Do this, do that, do the other thing. He says, who the heck do you think you're talking to? I don't know if he says who the hell, but you know, who do you, who do you think you're talking to? I'm your creator. I made you. You're lucky you're still alive. I know what you've done. If, I had been, if I'd been the judge that you want me to be because you say, go and stop them doing what they're doing because we talk to him about other people, do you remember, you know? why don't you stop them, Lord? He says, because if I stop them, I'm going to have to kill you. I'll give you the same as you want. Grace and justice is there. So, that's good news. So, I'm getting on a wild rant here. It's passion. Thank you. Thank you. Your Bob's egging me on there. Thank you, Bob. (laughs) All right. What does he say? Jesus says, look, guys, you go and I'll equip you like I was equipped. And they go, oh, shoot. Because what did Jesus say? I'll give you power and authority. So he says, I give you power and authority. Look, it says 9-1. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. What does that look like? Phil. Phil. I give you work you up again. You'll never sit in the front again. I give you power and authority to cast out all diseases. What does it look like? Bill looks the same. He hasn't changed. He's got all power and authority. I don't see any difference. How long does it take you to get married? 
I pronounce your husband and wife a couple of promises and you're married. What are you? Suddenly you're different. Does it look different? Not really. Is it different? You bet. You watch out. You try and deal with some things that you did before. You'll see. It's different. And God says to, to these disciples, and Jesus says, I give you all power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. You have within you the power and authority to drive out every demonic being that is at the root of human nature and all diseases. How's that? Then he goes on. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He says this twice then. Cast out demons, heal diseases, uh, to cure diseases, and then heal the sick. Seems that healing the sick and healing, casting out demons was quite important. He said the kingdom of heaven is present wherever you go. And then just to make it even sweeter, <laughs> I mean, this is like the ultimate challenge. And he says, by the way, because Peter was going, I just need to go home and get a sandwich. And Thomas was saying, I'm not sure I should go, but I think I, if, I, if I do go, I need, I, need some, I need to pack a bag. And Jesus said, um, you got authority? Go. And by the way, don't take a tunic. Don't take a satchel. Don't take extra clothes. Don't take money. Don't take anything you think you need. How's that? Go and conquer the world and take nothing with you. Why? Because nothing you have is going to be any use. My kingdom is not of this world. Everything about you is of this world. Everything you think you need, everything you rely on is absolutely useless in fulfilling what I have for you. You don't need PowerPoint, you don't need an electric guitar, you don't need drums, you don't need a smoke machine, you don't need a car, you don't need anything, you don't need money. Why? Because everything of this world is useless in the kingdom. But I needed to give a good talk and I needed for my demonstrations and I needed for sound so people can hear. And I said, you're relying on too much stuff. Well, if I can't take anything with me, then all I have is me. Welcome to my kingdom. Well, what are people going to think of me? Not much. So Jesus stands before them and says, look at me. What do you think of me? You're amazing. Why? I'm just like you. I don't have an extra bag. I don't have money. I don't have a place to stay. don't have a degree. don't have a family. Just me. And you're following me. So one of us is stupid. Why are you following me? Well, there's something in you. When I'm in your presence, I've never felt such love. I mean, when you walk and we follow, we see lives changed. You speak over somebody and the leper gets healed. You look into somebody's eyes and they feel loved for the first time and they just say, Oh my God, 
you poured fish into our boat and you just said fish on the other side. And, and he said, yeah. I just do what my father tells me. I'm very, very powerful and very, very weak. I have power and authority to heal diseases and cast out demonic. And I'm teaching you how to receive that truth for yourself. Because my kingdom is in those whom I give my kingdom to. And I give my kingdom to you. And it's your relationship with me that has actually opened up the doors to that kingdom. And I invite you to release that kingdom. But, but, no buts. You see, it's not about you. It's about what you contain. But you will learn. But I'm nervous. I'm insecure. I'm inadequate. We've got to go fishing tomorrow. Trust me. And so they went, we read. They went into all the villages. And we read, they preached the gospel and they healed the sick. And Herod, the, the king, politician, heard about what was happening and wondered how this was because he thought he had killed any threat to his throne when he killed John the Baptist. Go. See, Christianity is about what you contain. It's the only way it can be equally accessible to everyone. If it wasn't that way, it would mean you have to have an education. If it wasn't that way, it means you would have to possess something. If it wasn't that way, it would mean you'd have to be able to sing a song or play a tune or read or write. Or you'd have to be really smart in your opinion. If it wasn't that way, most of humanity would be excluded. And the greatest sin of the church has been that it couldn't handle that. Because we like, as human beings, status. We like influence. I want you to recognize my education. I want you to recognize what I have. Money is power. And Jesus said, well, if you want to see, and I, I would say this too, I mean, absolutely. If you want to see the church with money, power, and status, look at Europe and the history of Europe in the last 500 years. The church was the most powerful institution in Europe. England, many parts of the world. It is now, you, I went to Vienna a long, quite a long time ago now. And Vienna, there's a cathedral in Vienna and it's a, a museum. People, tourists go in and they have, you know, the old prince and he's like a skeleton in a glass box. They have these funny human, you know, the skeletons in boxes. You go and look at them. And that's where the church got to with influence, power, but nothing inside. And I would venture to say that if you don't know the love of God and the power of God in you, 
It's because there's too much outside stuff and not enough inside. And it starts with Jesus merely saying to you, I call you and I love you. Now come together and watch what we can do. Our problem is, is that I don't want to follow Jesus and lose control. And so I bring all my stuff with me. And therefore my, I'm not very effective. But this is what God has in mind. Should we watch uh, the, the, the video, which I actually forgot about? But um, I think it'll be good to watch it quickly now. Just make sure the sound's up there. And I pray for you and something happened. That's friendship, love, being there, noticing somebody and how it travels. What is inside you is what others receive. And Jesus was saying that to his disciples. They give you power and authority to go. And he was talking about the kingdom of heaven overcoming evil and sickness. But what does he say in Luke 17? He says, the kingdom of God is within you. You won't see it on the outside, it's within you. And you have within you more than you could imagine if you allow it to be activated and released. And it's only activated and released as you follow Jesus with other people together. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing that there are people around your life that God is saying, if you don't speak, if you don't share, if you don't pray, they will never know. It's not scare tactic, it's just the way it is. And many of us are saying, but I'm not ready, but I'm not ready, but I'm not ready. He said, you'll never be ready for what I have for you. You'll never be ready. You cannot do it. When you think you're ready, you'll be more dangerous than when you're not. Because you'll be proud and then you'll be relying on stuff and it'll probably be your stuff. And I'm saying, will you risk with me and follow me with you? None of your stuff. I don't want your stuff. I want you. I want your heart. I want your passion. That's what that is about. Isaiah 61. Quickly read it. Isaiah 61 is what Jesus wrote at the beginning of his ministry. Let me read it to you again. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's exactly the same thing virtually as he said to the disciples. He said, go out in the power of in my power and with my authority. And then listen to this. He said, proclaim the good news to the poor. Proclaiming the good news wasn't holding up a Bible and saying, repent. Proclaiming the good news wasn't about, you know, you living away from God, you miserable sinner, you need to turn to Jesus, you need to come to Him, you, get, you need to get your act together. That wasn't preaching the good news. This is what preaching the good news is. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, which means you are forgiven as you come to the cross. Jesus forgives you. That's the year of the Lord's favor. It's every year. Come to Jesus. Give him your stuff and see what happens. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. How do you bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes and joy instead of mourning? 
if it's not from what flows up from within you. You cannot give away beauty for ashes and joy for mourning if it's not inside you. If God hasn't crowned you with beauty and released joy in you, you have nothing to give other than theory and stuff. Here's my book. Here's my DVD. Here's my this. Here's my that. Here's my car. Here's some money. How much do you want? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That comes second. Give them what's in your heart. It's free. It's powerful. It's the kingdom. But I don't have anything in my heart. Well, then come to me and let me fill you. Come to me and let me break you. Come to me and let me work with you until you have something in your heart that flows out. And when you turn up to the broken, you can go, you are so loved. I'll weep with you. I'll take you to Jesus because somebody took me to him. You can have my heart. I'll see. You can see my brokenness. You can see my weakness. You can see my shame. You can see how he worked in me. If he can do it to me, he can do it to you. And the kingdom floods through the broken tatters of our lives as Jesus has touched them and healed them and begins to lead us forward. And limping, we begin to give it away. And hope rises. And joy rises. It's possible. Yeah. How? He loved me, and I'm a jerk. He loved me and healed me, and I was struggling. I was lost, and I'm found. I'm not finished yet, but it's a better road than what I was on. Why don't you join us? You don't need money for that. He just need to say, I'll open my heart to you. You can see my stuff. I don't care. Because Paul said, I'll boast about my weaknesses. And I'll give you what I got. And I got a healed heart. So why don't you get healed? What's happening to you right now? I've got nothing here. I'm opening my heart to you. You know the Spirit of God is here. It's free. Just pay it forward. Just pay it forward. I just, how much do you care? But if I have to open my heart to you, I've got to give up a Tuesday night. Yeah, you do. I lay down my life for you. But it's nothing. It's so worth it. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And there's something really, really interesting that comes next. You see, Jesus says this. He says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. Who will be? The ones who have been healed. The ones who have been found. 
the ones who are broken and are released. The ones he has touched he will use to rebuild the ancient ruins. You don't need to take anything with you. You have it all. The love of Jesus that's healing your heart and releasing you into life will touch other hearts and lives because hearts and lives don't need things. They need love. They need the power of God and the kingdom. I read a book, actually just got it in the, out of the bookshop yesterday and uh, it's, it's the uh, memoirs, or sort of memoirs of Brennan Manning who's a Catholic priest who was kicked out of the Catholic Church. He wanted to get married. He was also an absolute rogue alcoholic. I mean, his, his whole life was going to spend, uh, he talks about this, he, he would go and do teachings over the weekend and on the Sunday would go and get drunk and he would work it through till Wednesday and then he would sober up for the next speaking engagement. He was totally enmeshed in alcoholism and in addiction and he kept on coming out and uh, he's, he wrote a book called The Ragamuffin God or something. All he testifies to is grace. Because you read it and go, where is the power of God in this? Where is and, and all he's being used for is saying, grace, 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 grace. I can't do it. The biggest danger is when you think you're okay. The biggest danger is when you think you're actually quite good. I'm not talking about beating yourself up. It's just the closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize I'm unworthy. And in the foreword, one of his friends wrote this, and I just loved it. It was... Um, I learned the truth of the gospel from Brennan, the same gospel you will find in this book, that in the end my sin will never outweigh God's love, that the prodigal can never outrun the Father, that I am not measured by the good I do, but the grace I accept, that being lost is a prerequisite to being found, that living a life of faith is not lived in the light, it is discovered in the dark, that not being a saint here on earth will not necessarily keep you from being in the number when the march begins. Jesus sent his disciples out and he just said to them, will you turn up and will you turn up knowing my authority, knowing that you're sent by me and will you turn up and share what you've received with others? That's all. Will you turn up? And that's all God's asking of you and me. Will you turn up for others? Will you heal the brokenhearted? But you cannot do it if I haven't healed your broken heart. So we're going to pray and you can receive whatever you want from the Lord this morning because he actually sends you out. This morning he says, can I use you? Are you available? At a deeper place. I don't want you to give somebody a book to read. You can, but I don't want that to be the first thing. I want you to give them yourself. I want you to trust that where you are as a human being, if my love is in you, even a little bit, you have something to share. And see what happens. Don't talk about love or spirituality. Talk about Jesus. And don't tell people what to do. Just share what's happened for you. And see the power of God at work. So we don't need anything other than Him in us. Let's stand.
And you open as wide your heart as you want to. As wide as you, as you want to. And ask Him to fill it so that you can be present for others because you've received the presence of the King in your own heart. He says, can I use you as you are? Will you let me begin to mold you into what I see in you, not what you think you might be or might become? Will you let me equip you according to my agenda for you, not according to yours? That's a risky one. Don't say that too easily. Can I actually be God? Will you actually follow me? Can I send you out with power and authority? Father, I pray that you release your presence, your power over everyone standing here right now. You fill our hearts with the presence and love of Jesus. That you impact us with your authority. You impact us with the compassion of your heart for the broken. That we might receive your healing in our own hearts where they're broken. We might receive your strength where we feel weak. That we might receive the hope for the future where we might feel lost and confused and overwhelmed. And where we have the addictions of any shape, size or color, that we would know your grace in the midst of that. The hope for better to come and that in our weakness you can use us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. The kingdom of heaven is, is within you. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You will never understand it. You don't have to feel it. But as I say yes to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Will you allow it to be released? so that the love of Jesus will touch other people's lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much. As we come to break bread today,